Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 161 of Sorta Awesome. And before we get to this episode, it's time to give a big, sparkly, gold glitter bomb of thanks and gratitude to our sort of awesome listener supporters. We love hearing from all of our awesomes, all of you, about how much of an impact Sorta Awesome has had on your lives in big ways and in small ways. And we are so thankful for those of you who have committed to giving back to Sorta Awesome and to our community with your monthly support. Now, our listener supporters get access to all of those secret episodes that are filled with conversations we would never have on the Friday episodes, as well as a bonus newsletter from me. And probably best of all, you get access to our exclusive Facebook group. It's a smaller, more intimate gathering filled with some of the most awesome people you have ever met. To find out more about how you can join the listener supporters of Sorta Awesome, you can find out all of that information over at SortaAwesomeShow.com slash support. Okay, like I said, it's episode 161. I am joined this week by Sorta Awesome regular co-host and the creator of SimplyRebecca.com, Ms. Rebecca Hoffer. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, I'm happy to be here. How are you, Meg? I'm super excited about this episode. I feel like this is what I needed to kind of get myself in gear for September. You know, this is the year of the awesome. We're talking about how to become more awesome. I think all of us can relate to the fact that when you're an awesome, sometimes you're like, girls, all I do is win. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know what? We're pretty good at being awesome. And then sometimes, Rebecca, if we're keeping it real, there are times when we're like, um, maybe not so much. <laughs> I gotta give myself an F in this department. <laughs> that reminds me, oh my gosh, I just thought of this. When my sister Emily and I were little, like the twins age, five and six, we loved to play school all the time. Then we both grew up to be teachers. Aww. Who would have guessed? Anyway, when we were playing school together, when we were like, happy and getting along and friends, best friends forever, when we would grade, quote unquote, grade each other's papers, we would give each other an A plus, 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 plus. But if we were fighting that day and mad at each other, we would (laughs) give each other F minus, 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 minus. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Just 
slightly <laughs> passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. So yeah, today we're here to share the things that we are doing A++ in and also the things we're, you know, just between us, we're getting some F minus minus minus. Yep, that's accurate. <laughs> but seriously, we want to talk about it's September. We want to check in on how we're doing this year. How are we doing with our systems? Just getting things done in life. So we're here to talk about those systems. We're going to share with you some hacks, some magic mantras, some insider tips that keep us winning at life. And yeah, we're going to just put ourselves out there and say, hey, here's some things we could use a little help and support with. So we're going to get to all of that stuff here in just a minute. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. It is the moment in the show where we stop everything, actually, and tell you all about the things in life that are making life a little bit more awesome, whether it's books or TV, music, movies, podcasts, whatever the thing is that's making life awesome right now. So Rebecca, I cannot wait to hear about what you brought for us this week. I brought the book series, Who Would Win? by Jerry Palota. And I would recommend this series for elementary children, maybe the boys in your life, but any kid who is really excited about animals and battles and nonfiction types of books. So these books are, according to Scholastic, they appeal to grades first through third, and they're at like a third grade rating level. Okay. They are a very thin book. They are brightly illustrated. And the basic concept of the book is that you have these different animals in nature, and if they were to meet each other and do a showdown, who would win? So you have books like Lion versus Tiger, Polar Bear versus Grizzly Bear, Killer Whale versus Great White Shark. And each page talks about different facts about that animal. So the polar bear lives in this kind of climate and the grizzly bear lives in this kind of climate and they eat this versus eating this. And there's not very many words on the page, but there's all these like little pop out sections where there's this like little factoid over here. And they basically talk about, hey, if these two were going to get into a brawl, who is going to win on top? And so my son, Noah, is just starting first grade, and he's not super into reading. It's not really his favorite thing, but he really loves these books. He really loves the show Wild Kratts on PBS and oh, yes. talking all about the different facts about animals. So he's really into that. Plus, I think he kind of likes the hint of violence in these books. Like, I'm going to get you, you know? <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yes. So these are great for a kid in your life who is in that group. I would say that if you have a child who is maybe like really sensitive to violence or maybe has a super tender heart and the idea of animal violence really like brings them down rather than gets them riled up, this might not be the best book series. There's absolutely no blood in these books. These books are not graphic. I would say that the majority of like the fight and the battle would happen maybe like off the page rather on the page. However, there are some pictures of animals like biting each other and animals like looking angry with each other. There are a whole slew of these books, but then there's also a couple that are called like the ultimate rumble. So I have one called Ultimate Jungle Rumble. And in that book, they have like multiple, it's like a bracket, you know, they have like multiple animals like fighting it out. And then who would be like the ultimate king of the jungle? And this book in particular is a little bit more 
graphic, I guess you would say. Again, there's like no blood, but I feel like the animals in this book are, they like kick it up a notch in like their angry level. <laughs> so again, my son is like, bring it on. Like he does not care. He's not bothered at all. I'm the one who's like turning the page and being like, oh, this hyena is like really digging into this piranha. Like I'm not, eh. Noah doesn't care. Noah loves it. So again, if you have maybe more of a sensitive soul, I would particularly avoid this book. Again, a lot of the violence is happening off the page. It's a really thin, easy, fast read. Sorry, I shouldn't say it's an easy read. It's not third grade reading level, but it's just full of facts and like excitement and drama and suspense. So again, the book series is called Who Would Win? And it is by Jerry Pelota. You can find them on Amazon. We'll have a link in the show notes. If your child has access to ordering through Scholastic.com right now in the month of September 2018, there is a huge pack of these books, 15 books for $30. So just for $2 a book, that's a really good price. That's a super great price. That's perfect if you wanted to go ahead and get those right now for Christmas presents coming up. On my list. So great. AJ just brought home her first Scholastic book order for me home of the year yesterday and she was like you know she always likes to circle i want this and this yes it's so much fun. <laughs> and then we discuss okay <laughs> all right that sounds fantastic thank you rebecca i love that my awesome of the week you guys i hate to do this because i just just last week on the show was telling you about a new netflix favorite it was the movie to all the boys i've loved before which rebecca i know you really also loved that i am so angry with you that you recorded that awesome of the week without me that you did not bless me with the opportunity to gush on this movie (laughs) guys i just have to say earlier in the summer i had an awesome of the week that was the kissing booth also a netflix original rom-com type of movie and this movie to all the boys i've loved before is the perfect solution for all of the flaws that i had in kissing booth like kissing booth Uh it was kind of you know there were some problematic things with like sex and drinking and teenage activity. And I was like, mm, a little squeamish about that. Oh, but to all the boys I loved before, it's like, it's just, uh, yes. okay. But anyway, that was last week. What do you have this week? I'm sorry. I just had to, <laughs> okay. just, mm, I just had to get that out there. I love it so much. I know, it's so sweet and darling. I mean, I know we have lots of words about it. Okay, so like I said, just this past week, I was doing, I was talking about to all the boys I've loved before on Netflix. And here I am with another Netflix recommendation. I don't know how to explain it except I guess my kids went back to school and I was like, oh, I have free time. (laughs) What's what's happening right now? Okay, this is a new Netflix series. It's called The Innocence. Like the word innocent, a plural. Because I feel like every time I'm saying The Innocence, it sounds like The Innocence, but it's not. Whatever. I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll figure (laughs) it out. Maybe you've seen it on your Netflix menu as well, because they've really been promoting it. Netflix is telling me that I should be watching this. Tell me if I should, why I should. Let me join with Netflix in telling you why you should be watching it. Okay, so The Innocence is a supernatural YA, so young adult, sort of romance adventure thriller story. Rebecca, it's supernatural and YA romance. It is at the intersection of my two favorite things. It's like Vampire Diaries, (laughs) take two. Yes, except whereas Vampire Diaries was silly and I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but I fully realized as I was watching it, like, this is dumb. Why am I watching this? You guys, The Innocence is so beautiful and it's beautifully told and I love it so much. Okay, let me back up a little bit. The Innocence takes place in England and in Norway. So that means, you guys, I had to overcome my 
hillbilly ears syndrome. Yes. To be Do able you to watch, watch it with this. subtitles? No. In fact, even if you have really bad hillbilly ears, and if you are new to Sort of Awesome, you may not know that hillbilly ears is a thing. <laughs> it exists and I have it. It's where you can't understand people speaking with a foreign accent, speaking English with what sounds foreign to us, of course, as hillbillies in the middle of America. And so I have said on the show in the past that I have a really hard time watching British TV because I can't understand what they're saying. But the particular dialect that they're speaking in is very easy, even for me to comprehend. It's so beautiful. I cannot tell you this enough. Just visually, it's gorgeous. But the story centers on Harry and June. June is actually sort of our central protagonist. These are two teenagers who are in love. They decide to run away together to escape June's overbearing father. In short order, we learn that June is a shapeshifter. Stay with me. This is where the supernatural part comes in. I don't know if you'd call it supernatural or sci-fi, but this is where the sort of like fantasy part comes in. And this is not a spoiler. In the opening scene of the whole series, we are introduced to the concept of shapeshifting. So Harry and June are sort of on the run. Something happens the first night after they've run away together that sets them on the run. So we follow them throughout the story. We learn more and more as the story goes on about June's mother, who June thinks has abandoned her family. And we just see the relationship between Harry and June kind of grow. And honestly, as the series goes on, I'm 100% serious about this. The story becomes less about the shape-shifting, like supernaturally parts of it. And it becomes so much more about family and relationships and past trauma and adolescence becoming a woman surviving really dark things. So there's a huge overarching just like human story to the innocence that it doesn't get bogged down in the sort of supernatural elements to it. So again, visually, it's so gorgeous to look at. And even though it's not sweater weather here in Oklahoma yet, and we're a long ways off, frankly, this series makes me want to teach myself how to knit just so I could have a closet full of thick cozy hand knit sweaters. If you watch the series, you will see what I mean immediately. The sweaters are (laughs) a character in and of themselves. (laughs) So come for the supernatural YA romance thriller, but stay for the sweaters, you guys, because it's beautiful. That is an endorsement that I wasn't expecting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Season one is out. Netflix, you know, you can binge the whole thing and then come and tell me if you've watched it. The whole time I've been watching it, I have been like just dying to put it in the hangout group or something and be like, is anybody else watching The Innocents? I need to talk about this. So come and find me so we can talk about it. So those are our awesomes of the week. We'll have links in the show notes for all of this stuff. And don't forget that every week, either on Instagram or in our sort of awesome hangout group, we open up the floor for you guys to tell us what is awesome in your life right now. So If you haven't already, go find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or check us out every single Friday in the Sorta Awesome Hangout group where we are talking about all about your awesomes at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. Hey, awesomes. We hope that you are getting into the rhythms and routines of the fall season. Whatever you're up to, it is the perfect time to fire up an audiobook and dive right in. And if you're listening to audiobooks, you know you want to find them on Audible. That's because Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, which makes it easy to find awesome books like... 
Chrissy Metz's memoir, This Is Me, Loving the Person You Are Today. Lots of you who are fans of This Is Us know Chrissy Metz as Kate Pearson. And in her memoir, This Is Me, Chrissy Metz tells the story of how she overcame a troubled childhood and faced lots of disappointments once she moved to Los Angeles, but she was able to overcome it all with love, beauty, and joy. Fans of the book have said that they love Chrissy's approach that's completely raw, honest, and vulnerable, and so inspiring. One reviewer said that it was excellent and she would give it a million stars. And the great thing about Audible is it helps you listen to more books by letting you switch seamlessly between your devices. You can pick up exactly where you left off, whether it's from your phone, in your car, from your tablet, or at home on your Amazon Echo. You can get through tons of books, hands-free and ice-free, while doing almost anything. We really want you to start your 30-day trial and get your first audiobook free. You can do that when you go to audible.com slash awesome or text awesome to 500-500. Again, you can start your 30-day free trial and get your very first audiobook from Audible for free, but you have to go to audible.com slash awesome, that's A-W-E-S-O-M-E, or text awesome to 500-500 to get started. Okay, Awesomes, now that all four of my children are back in school, that means our mornings are filled with get ready for school crazy. That means finding clean uniforms, brushing teeth, and making sure that everybody's backpacks are packed. If I'm not careful, one of those four kids will try to slip out the door without eating breakfast. That's why I love knowing I can turn to Daily Harvest to help out. Daily Harvest delivers perfectly portioned cups of frozen organic fruits and vegetables directly to the front door. All you have to do is add water or your favorite milk to your cup, then you just blend it or heat it and you are good to go. Daily Harvest's new savory harvest bowls are an amazing, healthy dinner that's faster than takeout if you need a little help in the evenings. Daily Harvest's new plant-based ready-to-blend and protein smoothies are so awesome. Their dessert-inspired flavors pack in at least 10 grams of protein with no chalky powders. I'm especially loving that chocolate and hazelnut protein shake. And what's perfect is those Daily Harvest Cups are totally portable, so we can take them to fuel up on the go. To get in on the awesome of Daily Harvest for your family, go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code AWESOME to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code AWESOME for three free Daily Harvest Cups at daily-harvest.com. That's daily-harvest.com. All right, like I said at the top of the show, this is the time of year when we can really look at it as a sort of new year. Emily and I, my sister, earlier back in August talked about kind of resetting our New Year's resolutions for the school year. And Today, Rebecca and I are here to talk about just kind of checking in with ourselves, seeing what we are doing well, and kind of also talking about some places where we have opportunity for growth, as they say, in the corporate world. (laughs) I guess I've never been in the corporate world, but that's what I learned on movies and TV. (laughs) Okay. Rebecca, please do. You're one of the winningest people I know. Oh, my goodness. In lots of areas. I cannot wait to hear some of the places where you are winning at life right now. So get us started with this. What a compliment. Okay, so I'm actually going to take it back a little bit and share a parenting hack that I just cannot sit on any longer. I feel like the young moms of the world just need to know this. Something that I have always done always prioritized was my alone time in the afternoons. 
So when that nap time starts to become threatened, you know, and your kid is in that terrible transitional phrase where they're thinking they don't want to nap anymore, but maybe they still do want to nap and you're starting to freak out about losing an hour plus of quality alone time, that is when you need to introduce quiet time. (laughs) And doing that is something that I've done that with Grace. I did that with Noah. I hope I'm years ahead of having to do that with Isaac. But it has been a lifesaver for me. I am recording right now. Isaac is napping and Grace and Noah are having quiet time. It's magical. I love it so much. But when you're in that weird transition phase between nap and quiet time, I feel like that's where moms and kids kind of just like lose focus and freak out. Like how in the world do you train your child to have quiet time, especially if they really, truly should still be napping. And so I kind of stumbled across this hack that worked beautifully for me with Noah. He received an alarm clock for Christmas that had a feature on it where you would press a button and it would light up and then it would stay lit for either five minutes, 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, and then the light would turn off. I'm going to try to find something comparable to put in the show notes. When we would do quiet time with him, when he was in that transitional phase, What I did is I made a rule with him. I was like, okay, Noah, you can play in your room, but first you need to lay down on your bed and just stay here, quiet, lay down until the light goes off. And then when the light goes off, you can get up and you can play, but you have to stay in your room then until mommy says that quiet time is over. And what that did is I would turn the light on to 15 minutes and it would allow Noah to actually give his body a chance at resting. Give himself a chance to fall asleep, you know, slow him down. And he would say to me, oh, I'm not tired. I don't want to lay here. I was like, that's fine. That's fine. But you just have to do it until the light goes off. And then magically, a lot of the time, that was long enough for his body to give into its need to actually sleep. And then on the days where it didn't and he was awake to see that the light went off, No problem. He can get up and he can play. His body didn't need it. But then it just felt like it was this eased, this transition. And it kind of took the fight out of it for me. Like I didn't have to be the one to like lay down the law, lay down the rules and say, no, you have to stay here. It was the light. It was up for the light. And sometimes he would take a nap and he would wake up and then he would see, oh, the light's off. And then he can get up and play then until quiet time is over. But it just really was a lifesaver for me during that phase. And it's something that I plan to implement with Isaac as he gets older then too. I am so glad you shared your how-to behind this because as long as I've known you, you have been a master of quiet time. You are always, like, I can tell it is a something you value a lot. I really because do. Because <laughs> you are like, well, that's when my kids have quiet time. It's like, no big deal. They just go in the room and have quiet time. I am here to tell you guys, I never got this working from any of my kids, not any of the four of them ever did the smooth transition out of nap time. It was like we went from nap time through that cranky time that you're talking about where they're like, they need a nap, but they won't lay down for a nap straight into Bonkersville and no downtime for mom in the afternoon. So yeah, you are a little bit brilliant with this hack. I well, like thank it. you. Thank you. Yes. It makes you, eliminates mom being the bad guy. Yes. You know? Oh yeah. Totally. Clock is the bad guy. Be upset with the clock and just wait on the clock. And if he's not tired, he's not tired. And that's totally okay. You know, give him a chance. Yeah. So smart. Well, speaking of things that 
it took me a while to figure out because again, quiet time was one that I never really got a good grasp on. But (laughs) something happened to me back in high school (laughs) that I was like, I never want this to happen to me again. I locked myself out of my car. And it was like, for some reason, that's like a normal thing that like most humans who drive vehicles, it happens every now and again, right? Yes, it has happened to me in the past five years. I had Yeah, it happened to me once. It's like a normal human experience. I don't know why, but it was super traumatic for me. (laughs) And ever since then, I've had so much anxiety about locking myself out of my car. Then a couple of years ago, this was actually when, before the twins were born, it was when Daisy was in school, AJ was home with me. We locked ourselves out of our house. Yeah, I've done that too. (laughs) (laughs) That was not awesome. So I have like this really pervasive creeping low-key anxiety about keys okay, yeah, and stuff. And that has only progressed as I've had more kids. And then you have your phones that now are like our lifeline to everything that you've always got to keep up with your phone. So what I have done, and I never really thought about how helpful this is to me, but it's something I do super consistently. And I haven't locked myself out of anything in many years. So I think it's working. I created a keep track of stuff mantra. So that when I am leaving the house, getting into a vehicle, getting out of a vehicle, going into a store, I just check three things, keys, kids, phone. I think that to myself, that's my mantra, just three words, keys, kids, phone, keys, kids, phone. Whenever I am like sort of transitioning from one (laughs) physical space to another, I'm always checking that. So if I'm leaving the house, I'm making sure, okay, do I have my phone? Yes. Obviously I have my keys because I'm locking the front door. Where are the kids? And This was especially important to me when the twins were toddlers because they were both runners. And I was terrified, overwhelmed, crazy brained about getting two toddlers that are both runners, like out of vehicles and into vehicles and into a store and all of these things all at the same time. So that mantra saved my day many times. But you could totally adapt this, even if you don't have kids. It could be like Kyle's thing is keys and sunglasses. He is obsessive about his sunglasses. He gets like so angry with himself if we go out somewhere and he forgot his sunglasses, like really, truly like, what? Where where are my sunglasses? Why did I forget them? (laughs) Can we go back and get my sunglasses? (laughs) So his thing is like always checking for sunglasses. So anyway, just having that little mantra, just like I said, just to kind of check in. It's like second nature now that I just go through my mantra, keys, kids, phone, keys, kids, phone, all the time. It's a little bit wonky now because I don't have my kids with me during the day, but it's good to stay in that habit, you know. So you you <laughs> still sure. say keys, kids, phone when you're like alone? I still do. I literally do. And it's like, okay, kids are at school. Good. Now, go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, this is going to blow your mind. And I'm going to be uber paranoid now that we've like spoken this into the universe. But Uh for our van, my main vehicle, we only have one key. What? I know, (laughs) right? (laughs) That feels very stressful. I know. And it's like borderline, if not at all borderline, irresponsible. Like, how can you only own one key? Yeah. But we do. We only have one key. When we bought it used, it only came with one key. And we never made a second key. We've had it for nine years. Eight years, maybe. <laughs> I think eight years. I mean, like, okay. Like, I should fix that, well, right? I mean, it's not hard. <laughs> well, I think we <laughs> were just... 
Is it not hard? Because I kind of feel like when we first got it, we were told, oh, those are like really expensive. Like, I feel like I was told it was going to cost like $80 to like make this new key. And I was like, oh, that sounds like hard. Is it one of those keys that has like a computer chip in it? Is that a thing? Well, it has like buttons that you push on it. So yeah, sure. sure. It's not one of those fancy ones where like I can just keep it in my pocket and just be close to the car. It's not like that hardcore of a key. No, no. We are so many years away from that. Listen, you guys, my minivan is a 2006 minivan. It's literally older than AJ. (laughs) So we definitely do not have the key fob. I think mine's a 2006. It might be a 2005. Really? I think. Gosh. I don't know. I'm not a very good adult. I don't know how old my car is, and I only have one key for it. (laughs) But I feel like I should add this to my list to fix, right? I mean, it's been eight years. I've only locked the keys in the car once. But, like, goodness sakes, we're, like, one toddler mishap away from, like, losing the key forever. It's not just, like, locking it in the van, because then at least we know where it is. Oh, it's in there. We just need to get it out. But, like, it could just, like, walk away. Right. My biggest fear is always that I would accidentally lock my keys and kids in the van at the same time. That's another reason why I have this mantra, because I need to be able to actually see my keys and make sure that I'm not locking children, you know, all the things. Yeah. Well, and people lock their keys in their car with their car running. I've been with somebody who did that before. (laughs) That's always embarrassing. Yes, (laughs) exactly. I mean, I'm sitting here laughing with you about it, but I know right now, awesomes around the world are like breaking out in hives at the thought of only... I'm getting a little stressed out myself. I really am. This is supposed to be the section where we talk about what we're winning at, and I'm feeling a little insecure. Okay, I need to fix that. Yeah, let's look into it. Okay. We'll do some research offline. But something I don't need to fix... Okay, cue yes. the transition here. Something I am doing uh-huh. well. Okay, so my kids are off at school now. Grace and Noah are off at school. I'm home alone with Isaac. And that's sometimes when I'm like, okay, I can't handle this mess. I'm going to tidy up. But I found myself in this place of being like, okay, there's like kids stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. I want the house clean, but the kids aren't here. So do I, A, just leave the house a mess and make the kids put mm, it away right. later? Or B, do I put it away for them? Well, I found a solution, C, that has worked really, really well for me. And that is I gave my two older children, Grace and Noah, again, it's a third grader and a first grader. We started this last year. I gave them a plastic bin. We actually keep it on our steps going up the stairs to the second floor. And one is labeled Grace and one is labeled Noah. And then as I am decluttering the living room and I find homework paper, this library book, this dirty sock, this. I throw it in their bins and leave it for them to deal with later. It cleans everything up. I'm allowed to then, I feel like, guilt-free tidy up my house without feeling like, oh, I really should be a better mom and, like, be teaching my kids to do this. But then, like, you're, like, stressed out by leaving it. Yeah. So instead, I can clear the space, I can clear my mind, and I can do it guilt-free knowing I'm not doing this for my kids. My kids are still going to be the one responsible for actually putting all these things in their proper places and taking care of it. But I'm just collecting it for my mental sanity. And that's okay. I get it. I got the bins at Dollar Tree and Mm -hmm. they're not that big. And I think that that's also important because then like, you know, we can't have like five months worth of stuff in these bins. You know, it's just like a couple and they don't necessarily empty them like every day. But it's a place where I can toss things. And if then they're asking me for something, 
mom, have you seen this stuffed animal or whatever? Well, check your bin. Is it in your bin? Look in your bin. You know, it's really been great for us. I started doing a similar thing over the summer. I think I maybe even talked about this on our parenting hacks for the summer show. I got, instead of bins, I got like a set of drawers, like a plastic. Yeah. You know what I mean? The kind you get at Walmart. Yeah, right. Drawers. And I do the same thing, especially you are so right now that kids are back in school. I don't like to walk back into the house and just like, it looks like a bomb went off. So we tidy up before we walk out the door, especially the girls. The twins, it's hit and miss (laughs) on if they get their stuff to their drawer or not. But like you said, it's not like weighing on you all during the day because you are the one who has to look at the clutter all day. Right. And of course, yeah, it's best case scenario to have it all cleaned up by the kids before you're left home alone without them. But sometimes, you know, you're just running late. It just doesn't happen. Sure. Where do you keep your set of drawers? So we have a dining room that it does have our formal dining room set in it, but it also functions as like sort of all purpose room. And so like the kids computer is in there. I do my work during the day in there. So it's in there. It's kind of tucked around a corner out of eyesight when you first walk in the house, but it's close by and manageable. And do so. they store things specifically like, oh, that's something that lives in my drawer or is it just like well, a collecting point? I mean, it was supposed to be put your stuff in here until you carry it upstairs later. Right. But I mean, just to be real, it <laughs> has turned into storage. Again, especially for the girls. The twins mostly have toys and so they will actually open it. And there are toys that kind of do live downstairs now because they're in that drawer. The girls, I don't know. There's probably books and papers and stuff from last May in there, but I'm not going to deal with it. Eventually, I'll just be like, y'all with this or not? Because if not, I'm going to throw it out. Yeah, yeah. But so another holdover from summer that worked really well that I have adapted to my real life, even though the kids are back in school, is I have created themes for myself for every day of the week. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's wrong? You don't like this idea? Oh, I think that this is one of those like organizing things that like people <laughs> just really love and it transforms their life and all they have to say is positive things about it. And it just like, it just makes me feel so like squeamish. Oh, I just can't. Oh my gosh, this is cracking It seems like the perfect solution to all of the chaos that happens in my life and in my mind, but I just, Mm -hmm. it's like the walls are closing in on me. Okay, I need you to take some deep breaths, number one. I know, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm a little bit broken. I don't know. (laughs) This is a very adverse reaction that I was not expecting. Okay. But here we go. Listen, this is two P types talking to each other. Rebecca's an ESFP. I'm an ENFP. We're not super great organizers by nature, are we? Okay, you know what? That really does make me feel better. Okay, tell me how this has changed your P-centered life. Yes. So as a P-type, I can sometimes struggle with following through on organizational things. Uh, Yep, same. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like understatement of all of life. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, but here's why I think it works for me. Because it really deals with the big picture. And I'm going to tell you how I made this work. Because like you, I have tried many organizational things for solutions for all kinds of issues in life. And I do really great in the beginning. And then it falls by the wayside, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so let me just back up for a second. Because like I said, we started doing this over the summer where I would have, like there was two days a week where it was mom stays home and works day, but then the rest of the, you know, the other days, like this is the day we go to the pool. This is when we go to the library. I loved the predictability of it, but I loved that it was also really flexible. That's why I like it. There's just a theme for the day. 
because that may be the theme for the day. But then if I want to do something else, I can totally do something else. Does that make sense? Yeah. So tell me what your themes are right now. I will say the thing that has helped me the most is I started with one day and I built out from there. So I got myself together and made myself follow through for one day starting there. And then as I've gotten better, I've built on that. You're so gentle to yourself. That's really smart. Okay. Okay. So I started with Sunday because I really, really, really wanted Sundays to be a rest day for me. I was highly inspired. I was going to say highly convicted. No, I was highly inspired years ago, whenever it was, when Kelly came on Sort of Awesome to teach us all about Sabbath and the importance of rest. So I got super serious with myself that I really need a day where I just rest and I don't have that guilt hanging over me of I should be doing this or I should be doing that. So in order to make Sunday be a fully rest day, of course, we have church and of course, I still have to feed children and all of those normal life things, but so that I can have big blocks of time for just reading or binging Netflix or whatever the thing is, I realized for me, for my own mental health and well-being, that I needed to prep for that day, that I was not ever going to fully relax and rest on Sunday if I hadn't done work leading up to that to where I could give myself the mental gift of relaxation. So I turned Saturday into prep for rest day. So that means Saturdays are super busy for me. They are not a day off. I clean house. I take the kids to do like errands and things that they don't do during the week. Like I'll take the twins to get their hair cut. I will take AJ to the public library. I mean, all of the things like it is a busy day from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, all in lead up to making Sunday a really calm, enjoyable rest day. So I started doing that. Once I built out Saturday as my prep for rest day, then I went on the other side of Sunday and I made Monday. (laughs) Mondays are my weekend recovery day. So a lot of people will take Saturday off and they should because again, if you work during the week, this isn't going to be a flexible type schedule for you. But I just like, okay, weekend recovery day happens on Monday. So I will go by and do my grocery pickup, which is so super easy. And then I just kind of putter on Mondays. I pick up the house. I finish up anything that didn't get done over the weekend. I really mentally just recover from the chaos of the weekend on Mondays. So that is sort of the theme for Monday. Why are you looking at me incredulously? (laughs) You are just like blowing my mind here because every time I think about themed days, I think about things that I don't want to do and that are tasks. Okay, yes. And, you know, I'm sure that there's probably some of that to come, like, in your list here. Uh But I think about, like, laundry day. I think about, like, clean the house day or, like, clean bathrooms Uh day. I think about, like, kitchen prep day. And, like, all of those things just sound like, like, I don't want to do any of those things. Like, I just need to, like, I don't want to assign a day to do it. I want to do it when I find the motivation to do it. I don't want somebody to tell me, even if it's myself, like, when to do things. (laughs) Like, if I don't feel like doing my laundry on Monday, guess what? I'm not doing my laundry on Monday. But when I'm (laughs) listening to you, I feel like you're talking about, like, almost, like, fun things. Like, even this summer, you were like, Wednesday's pool day. Tuesday's library mm-hmm. day, Sunday's relaxed day. I'm like, well, those are themed days that I get behind. Okay. Well, lest anybody think that I actually am just like laying around watching Netflix all the time now, <laughs> let me continue with my weekly schedule because the Tuesdays are tackle to do's. So this is not like great fun day, but everybody has to do's. I have certainly a ton of work to do's always on my to do list. I have, you know, errands for myself 
bills to pay, all of those things. So if it's a to-do, as it comes up, as it pops up, if it can possibly wait, I put it on whatever the next, you know, I write down for the next Tuesday that's coming up so that I have a to-do day and I shuffle everything there. Now, again, it's not always fun, but at least I know where it goes. And honestly, Rebecca, by consolidating those to-dos down, I can kind of get in like, okay, let's knock out these to-dos mode. And then I end up having more free time than if I'm trying to like run this errand on this day and go to this appointment on that day. So it works for me. Wednesdays, because I do like a lot of flexibility, Wednesdays are just like a whatever day. So anything that doesn't really fit in the rest of the schedule that just needs to be done, I shuffle to Wednesdays. And I also use Wednesday as a sort of midweek check-in for the house. I know I talk about housekeeping a lot on here. But again, for my own sanity, if I can have a week where, I mean, a day of the week where I'm just like running the vacuum really fast, making sure the bathrooms aren't disgusting, I feel better about life. Thursday, I call pray and prep day because Thursday mornings, I have a standing appointment to go to a prayer chapel and pray. And then Thursday afternoons, I'm getting everything ready for the newest episode of Sorta Awesome. So I spend a lot of time prepping it. And then Friday, I've been calling work hard, play hard day because it's ended up in the schedule that I've been recording lots on Fridays. I am always doing social media and discussion and being active in our community on Fridays as new episodes come out. So again, I actually am pretty busy on Fridays. And then I know that I've got that Sunday coming with lots of rest and relaxation time. Well, I think this makes a lot of sense. I think it really does sound like you're winning. I think that this also is a really good fit for you as a working mom with your children in school full time. You probably like legit need some structure. Yes. Like otherwise I could see, at least for myself, I could see myself kind of like floundering. Like, okay, well, like I have all these hours ahead of me. How in the world do I fill them in a way that is actually like worth something? Well, and it's not even a matter of like, how do I fill them? Because as we all know, I think if you have space in your schedule, it's going to fill up. Right, right. But for me, I do need some structure because I do get overwhelmed. I'm like, I have this many hours and I have this whole, like if I look at the list for this is what I need to do for home life, family life, work life, all of these things, it's super overwhelming. And then again, maybe because I am a P-type, like I can't even figure out what to do when. And so I just feel like I'm just spinning my wheels all day. Yes, and it would be very easy, at least for me, to let one of those areas kind of bully the other area and be like, okay, all I'm doing is house stuff. And like my side hustle here is getting no attention or vice versa, where I'm super motivated in the side hustle stuff. But then, oh my goodness, like I haven't run the vacuum in forever. So I can definitely understand the appeal here. So yes, you are winning. This is a win. I grant it a win. <laughs> the subtext being, I'm never going to do this, no, but that's I fine. Really... It works for you. <laughs> well, my kids are like four days into the school year. That's right. We yes. really just started. And so I really am kind of trying to figure out how to structure my days just alone with Isaac. And maybe I don't feel like I have a completely full day that I could do this with. I do have my afternoon nap time and I could try to get those a little bit more focused. Right. And I will say I came across this idea of doing theme days during the week, actually not on a like work from home mom resource, but an actual like business productivity blog talking about how, you know, whenever you possibly can shuffle, you know, this recurring task to this day, and you always deal with this on Mondays or whatever. And so I think it's adaptable no matter what your days look like, whether you're working full time, whether you have kids or not, like whatever the thing is, just kind of giving 
the clutter of your life, the non-tangible clutter of your life, a place to land, I think is what this comes down to for me. And because I'm a big picture thinker, as most ENFPs are, it makes sense. And again, it gives me that little bit of wiggle room because once I've dealt with whatever the theme of the day is, then I have time to, you know, not feel like I'm pinned down to whatever the thing is for the day. And you're not constantly like putting out fires. Yes, exactly. You get me, Rebecca. You're exactly right. Thanks. Okay. Well, speaking of theme todays, I actually have one. Yes. Tuesdays. And that is what is next on my list here of things that I'm winning at. So Tuesday night is my night to go out to work, which I kind of say in quotes, because I consider myself like a work from home mom doing all my online entrepreneur here stuff. But on Tuesdays, I specifically leave the house after supper and retreat to go do some solid FaceTime with my laptop alone out of the house without any family or children around to interrupt me. But the reason why I consider this such a win kind of needs like a bit of the backstory as to how I came to this point, because I'm not necessarily saying that it's a win that I go out every Tuesday night to work. So the win here actually is not the fact that I go out every Tuesday night, but it is the fact that I have come to an agreement to have this time set on my schedule with my spouse. So here is now the backstory. In 2014, I started working on an ebook that we've talked about here on Sora Awesome before about this unique yeah. struggle that I had breastfeeding. Hey, if your kid is refusing a bottle, look me up. I might have the solution for you. But writing that book took me an extremely long time. First, getting up the courage to actually write the book and just thinking about mentally literally took me years. And then finding the time and making the commitment to actually do the writing was this whole other struggle. And what I found was any time that I asked my husband if I could schedule some time out of the house, he was very eager to do that. My husband supported me fully in writing this book. And all I needed to do was ask for the time to schedule it, to sit down and do it. So what we would end up doing is we would look at the month ahead and we would pick out maybe like two or three nights where we could mark it in on the schedule. And I could go out to a coffee shop and do some writing. But what I found myself doing is dreading having that conversation every month. And I would hear about other bloggers specifically who would be working on these projects. And I would hear them talk about like dedicating like a whole week to just doing that and putting everything else off of their plate and just focusing on the writing and having the support of their family to do that. And I found myself getting like so jealous thinking like, why can't my husband see? <laughs> Why can't right. he read my mind that this would really be the solution to my problem? Because what I would end up doing is I would go out and I would have to like reread everything that I wrote the last time that I went out, which may have been a week or two weeks ago, and kind of re-get myself into the groove of writing again. And that would take up a huge chunk of my night. And then I would sit and do the writing. And then it would the whole process would loop over. And I wasn't being efficient with the time that I had. I had the time. My husband would happily give me the time, but it just wasn't quite working for me. Now, how I ended up writing that book is, I mean, that's like a separate side story. I ended up getting it done and it was fine. It was great. And I was extremely blessed with help for that. But what I found was I just dreaded so much having to ask my husband. Mm -hmm. I really wanted him to just 
magically know that or I to needed to volunteer it. Like, yes, yeah, just be like that. I needed more time to just mm-hmm. say, Rebecca, go, go, go. And he was so willing to give it. I can't like stress that enough. It wasn't the fact that like we were fighting about me having time away from the house or me having time to dedicate to something that really meant a lot to me. It wasn't that at all. It was just I just needed to ask for it. And I hated doing it. And so what we ended up doing is I think we were having this like big conversation on a vacation one time about my work and what that meant for me and what it meant like financially for my family. And I was like, you know, like I really could use like some more time. And we came to this agreement to have a set day of the week that we could count on, that we could put on the calendar. It literally says every Tuesday, Rebecca working. And so it no longer was something that we were just like shuffling around into our schedule and making fit wherever. It was part of the schedule. And it was something that I no longer had to ask for. It just was given every single week. Now, that doesn't mean that my time sometimes doesn't get shifted around. There's certainly times where things have come up where Noah has a t-ball game that night or something. Well, I want to be there for that. We're going to make adjustments for it. But it was just this idea of no longer feeling like I had to like ask permission. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And you know what else I think it applies to is it takes the decision part out of it. Because it sounds like this, like you said, it's even literally on your calendar. Yes. Standing appointment, Rebecca works on this night. There's no discussion about it. There's no decision. Nate knows to plan around it. You know, in your mind, like if there's something you want to tackle, instead of it weighing on your mind, like, when am I going to get to this? You know, Tuesday night when I'm working, I will deal with this. I have found the same thing to be true for, again, like I just mentioned this briefly, but Thursday mornings, I go to a chapel to pray. That is a standing appointment for me. Now there's no decision to be made around it. I am like such, I'm 41 years old and I'm like just now beginning to see how brilliant the idea of creating a standing appointment for whatever the priority thing is that you're trying to make time for, make an appointment for it, even if it's just an appointment between yourself and your calendar. (laughs) But you schedule in the time and put it in writing somewhere, some way have some accountability in some way that says, no, this is a priority. And if I don't make it happen on my calendar and in my schedule, it's going to get shuffled to the side. Right. I do this also with a girls night, a regular girls night with some of my girlfriends. We have it a reoccurring girls night on Friday nights every six weeks. And our husbands have it on their calendar every six weeks for a guy's night. And then so like every three weeks, somebody is going out, you know, if we get our act together to schedule it, but it's there. And so we don't have to like have this meeting of the minds and like lay out all the calendars and like, oh my goodness, it's been like six months since we've gotten together or like, oh, I can't make it to this one. I'm not going to be able to go for like another year now because we never do these things. It's like, okay, you miss it this time. No big deal. It's going to happen again in six weeks. And I think the key here for me, and I've heard this with friends and like other people like online, like when they talk about like wanting time to themselves or like wanting like an afternoon where they can go to a coffee shop and like plan out their week or like look at their schedule or like make all their to-do lists. Sometimes like just like having, feeling like you have to ask all the time, Mm -hmm. it just is the drag. And then you can build up resentment. Like, can't my husband or can't my spouse like know that this is important to me? Why do I always have to ask? And I just would encourage you, if this is resonating with you, consider making, like you said, Meg, a standing appointment. Like, let's come to an agreement that Every Saturday morning, this is what mom's going to go do. 
it really has been a game changer for me. So winning, Rebecca. So winning in that. All right. One other way that I realized recently, I actually am kind of winning at this thing. I have mentioned multiple times since the beginning of the year that we decided we are going to get serious about eating real food, eating low sugar, like getting our family nutrition back on track. Because I'll tell you what, we were in survival mode after the twins were born for a long time. And I am not shaming myself or shaming the habits that we got into when we were in survival mode because it was survival mode. (laughs) We did what we had to do. Right. But you know, sometimes after survival mode, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Sometimes you realize like I totally needed this thing, this habit, this, you know, whatever, this band-aid over this problem at that time. But then you just kind of never really go back and fix the habit that you had gotten into or whatever. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So not eating great was definitely a leftover from survival mode. But we decided this is the year we're going to be awesome about food and nutrition and take it really seriously for our family. So recently, our whole family came down with a little bit of a cold, you know, back to school germs and the kids bring it home and it kind of goes through the family. I realized I was having a winning moment when instead of in the past, if we weren't feeling great, I would have been like, well, let's just go grab Sonic or whatever. Or Kyle would have suggested it again to alleviate the just grossness of feeling bad yourself and taking care of sick kids. But we got through that whole cold and a couple of days later, I was like, it didn't even occur to either of us to do anything other than to just like, okay, let's just cook the usual foods that we would cook. I mean, we kind of did some more like comfort food type things, but it didn't occur to us to go through and get fast food or to have food delivered. Again, no shame in that. We all need a break. We all need somebody to come in and support us with a quick meal every now and again. But I realized because of two things, systems, I guess you could say, they've really made it to where we do have truly great nutrition in terms of our food, what we're eating all the time. The first thing is I really, really, really consolidated my shopping and realized that most of what we get at the grocery store is either meat, dairy of some kind, somewhere on the dairy spectrum, or produce, fresh fruits and vegetables, some frozen vegetables. So I have just really focused on stocking the fridge and pantry with those things that I know that we're going to eat that I can mix and match and do this thing this way, you know, make chicken, because again, I cook chicken now, you guys. You are winning (laughs) at life. I cook it myself from raw to cook all by myself, and I don't even gag. (laughs) Well, You're such a big girl. I know. know. (laughs) But just having those things on hand, again, eliminates some of the decision making. The other thing is, we have talked about, in fact, Kelly just mentioned this on the show about mornings like being really super realistic about time and maybe even doubling the time that you think something's going to take. When I had that epiphany for myself about how long it takes to prepare real food, and I was like, all right, we're going to be committed to this. I'm going to get really realistic about time. And so I like doubled in my mind how long I think it's going to take to prepare something. Most of the time, I'm happily surprised that it doesn't take that long. But especially on school mornings, making breakfasts, good, healthy, whole food, real food breakfasts for people, and packing lunch boxes with really good real food for my kids. That takes a solid hour for me, Rebecca. And so when I just like realized, and listen, I'm a slow person. So when I kind of had these epiphanies about I'm a slow person, it always takes me longer to do something than I think it's going to. But this is important to me. It all kind of converged together. And I realized, okay, if I make enough time for this, it's not stressful. It's not that big of a deal. I just had to change my mindset about it. And now it's happening consistently. And I'm very proud of myself. That is wonderful. 
Are you going to like share some of your meal plans in the hangout group or something? Like, I think people would want to hear. So like, what? Yeah, what I could totally eating? do that for sure. It doesn't feel very interesting to me, but I will definitely share it. And maybe somebody will pick up an idea that will work for them. I love that. All right. We are not all wins all the time, for sure. Sometimes we struggle. And Rebecca and I, I think of anybody, you all know that Rebecca and I will always confess to you our struggles and our failings. If you need a little glimpse into some of my struggles, just go to Instagram and search the hashtag just clean something and you will see a plethora of my messes that I somehow managed to get under control, at least. All right, let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. Where are we struggling right now? Okay, well, I'm going to start with packing. Guys, it's impossible for me to go on a vacation, a trip, go to visit grandparents, whatever, a holiday. I can't do it without losing my mind and turning into really? a monster. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how to fix it. So tell me what I'm doing wrong. Obviously, like all of it, I guess. When it comes to packing, it's my job, right? Like I'm a stay-at-home mom. It's my main responsibility to do the packing. So my husband is gone away working many hours outside of the house. I am here in the house with all of the things that need to be magically packed. So it makes sense that the bulk of the responsibility would fall on my shoulders. But I get like resentful <laughs> and angry about that like every single time. And I try to talk myself out of it and say, Rebecca, this is part of your job. <laughs> this is part of your role. Also, I am very detail-oriented in my thinking. My husband is big-picture thinking to the extreme. If we were to assign tasks based solely on like the way our brains work, mm -hmm. this is my job. This is my jam. I should be able to do this. But I hate it so huh. much. I make yeah. lists. I think every single time I tell myself, Rebecca, next time you are going to plan ahead better, you're going to be more organized. You are going to pack more in advance. And then the next time rolls around. And then you're mad at yourself again and mad at the world. And then I'm mad at myself, mad at my husband, mad at my kids. I'm just like mad. Okay. I leave most of it to like the okay. day before. Wait, is that not what normal people do? <laughs> That's totally what I would do, but I don't feel angry about it. Okay. So either I have one of two problems. I either A, need to change like the physical okay. act of packing mm -hmm. and like how mm -hmm. I'm doing it or I need to just change my attitude about it or both possibly both I would love to hear how people like pleasantly prepare for a vacation like my husband will say to me so are you like looking forward to going to the beach and I'll be like oh my gosh the beach no like I can't look forward to it until like I'm in the car I buckle my seatbelt and I'm like okay now, now I'm happy again, I guess. Okay, I'm not going to try to troubleshoot this for you because I feel like <laughs> no help. But I'm sure some awesomes out there have some good suggestions for you. We'll get this solved for you, Rebecca. I believe in us. We can do this for sure. Well, one question I have is how much do people pack in advance for something? Like how many days in advance or something? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because I think part of the problem is, like, when you're talking about, like, packing kids' clothes, my kids wear, like, they don't have a uniform for school. And so, like, I can't pack my kids' clothes, okay. like, too far in advance because they need to be wearing oh, right, those right. things. 
But this past winter, we took a trip to the Dominican Republic. Well, guess what? We didn't need any of our shorts in February. So I was able to really pack some of those things Mm. ahead of time. And it was so wonderful. But I feel like I just kind Mm. of can't do that Mm -hmm. as well. Like normally. When you're packing in-season clothes. And let the awesomes help you win in this area for sure. Maybe the awesomes can help me win with something that I am failing at so bad right now. And that is keeping my poor decrepit, but still running because yay Toyota van clean. You know, a while back, I did a whole Instagram story about me cleaning out how disgusting my Oh, I remember that. That was fun. Do you remember that? I liked watching that. Yeah, that was super, super transparency to the maximum. Um, I did a really good job of keeping it clean after that big deep clean. I kept it clean for a long time. But we went on a road trip this summer with all the kids. The van got completely trashed. It was in the summer. And I was like, ugh, I am not cleaning out this van when it's so Oh, that is legit. Yes. Yeah. And so we have never recovered. And now it's gotten to the point again where every time I open the doors to my van, which is multiple times a day, I'm like, oh, I hate this van. It's disgusting to me. And I'm just like, I cannot get myself to a place of getting it back on track and keeping it on track. And as I was talking, I was thinking like, you know, I just talked about how important it is to set a standing appointment. I'm like, should I make a standing appointment to uh, my van? Interesting. Do people do that? Is that a thing? You know, some people grew up in like your family of origin, like taking care of your vehicle, making sure it's clean. That's like a high priority and they have systems to make it happen. I did not come from that. So I literally don't know what it looks like to consistently have a clean vehicle clean enough to where when you open the doors to it, you're not like, ugh, this okay, is Okay, well, paint me a picture. Are you talking like, clutter or filth or both? I don't want to say it's filth. It's not super clutter because one thing I do do now that I didn't used to is I make sure every kid gets their belongings okay. out when they get out. Backpacks. My kids take their shoes off and the, we are again, hashtag hillbilly here, but no personal things left behind if it's like items, but there's like right. gum wrappers and pens and things that nobody claims. So it's junky. It's also still dirty from that road trip, I will not lie, because we did some eating in the van, which is not a normal thing, but we did while we were on this road trip. So there's also just like crumbs and probably in the backseat where the twins sit, there's probably like spills and stuff. And Okay, so you more are looking for like actual like cleaning motivation with your van. Yeah, I mean, I know I just need to actually just do it, just get it, either clean it myself or take it somewhere to be clean. But then I'm like, how can I really consistently make sure I don't get into this mess again? Well, I have a principle on my blog that's a cleaning checklist. And there's a spot that you can mark Mm -hmm. for like regularly reminding yourself to clean your van. I don't use this cleaning checklist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But it's there. I hear that other people really like it. But you can mark that as like a quarterly task to go out and clean your van. Oh, it needs more than once a quarter. I can assure you of that. All right, let's finish up. Any other things that you're like, I need some help in this area? Okay, well, this is kind of along the same lines of your van, but it's my kitchen. Okay. So my kitchen, it's not efficiently organized. I think that's the best way to say it. So I have space in my kitchen. I feel like I have enough space in my kitchen for things. But I think like an organizing expert would come in and be like, oh, yeah, you're doing this all wrong. I am 5'2", so I'm on the shorter side, and I have really 
high ceilings, and very tall cabinets. So there's a lot of space like up high. I have a step stool that I use in my kitchen all the time. I have a lot of space like really up high that I feel like like I put things up there that I don't use very often. But when push comes to shove, there's probably a lot of things up there that I don't use like at all. Like that space should just be complete. I could use a complete decluttering of really being honest with myself about what I actually need in my kitchen and what I do not. And then I don't have a pantry. So I keep most of my food like in this corner cabinet. I just have like weird spaces that I'm utilizing in my kitchen. I have an extra staircase in my house and it goes down behind my kitchen. And so like there's a door that opens up in my kitchen and it's this open, it's a staircase. Like if there were like servants quarters in my house, it goes to my bedroom. So I keep a lot of things on the steps because I don't have a pantry. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll store things on the steps. Like my cloth grocery bags are on the steps. Like some things that I buy in bulk, I'll keep extras on the step. The kids' lunch boxes end up being on the steps. I feel like the steps are like, you know, they're like pretty well organized, but I don't know. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. I just should like post pictures of everything and have people tell me like all the things I'm doing wrong. That is exactly what I was going to say. You are going to put some pictures because this is a visual thing. It is a visual problem. Yeah. I don't have very many drawers and the drawers that I have aren't very well organized. Like I have this drawer that I use for like plastic wrap and tinfoil and like hot pads. And if you were to open that drawer today, you would think, oh, Isaac must have been in here yesterday. Your toddler, like dumping everything (laughs) out and then putting everything back in. But no, that's just the way that drawer lives. Like That's that drawer living its best life. (laughs) And then there's this cabinet that holds the bulk of my like glass bakeware and it also holds like some other Tupperware things and I swear that cabinet has come within inches like just ruining my marriage because my husband and I cannot come to an agreement on how to maintain the organization of this cabinet like I'll send him like text messages with pictures of like how could you have done this to me again with this cabinet this cabinet is going to ruin us Oh my, you guys, this is getting serious. It's so bad. And then my friends would be very upset with me if I did not mention that I have like a bit of a command center on a corner counter in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a basket Mm -hmm. that I use to like hold a lot of like school papers and like things I need to remember and like other things there. My friends have told me that this basket is horrific and that I should be ashamed of myself for having said basket, but I do. Apparently, I'm doing that wrong in my life also, is my command center basket. It's just, guys, I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing with my kitchen. Like, I have, like, too much stuff, not enough stuff, like, all the stuff. I don't know. All right. You are putting pictures in our community, maybe even on Instagram, maybe on Instagram stories. We're going to walk you through this. I need a visual, so, but we're going to troubleshoot for sure. All right. Speaking of troubleshooting, the last area that I need help in is more of like a philosophical thing. I need a mantra because so we had Gretchen Rubin on the show earlier this year, one of my favorite episodes ever, talking about her four tendencies and how each we were specifically talking about how each of those tendencies shows up to play in a party. She said something that I have not stopped thinking about since last spring when she was talking about obligers, which that's my tendency. I'm an obliger. The obligers play the martyr or they'll take up a martyr complex really easily because they'll be like, oh, it's okay. I'll do it. Don't worry about it. I'll do it. Because they expect the other people in their life to be like, oh, no, 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 no. It's okay. You've done enough. You sit down. I'll do this. And 
Gretchen said, and guess what? Nobody ever does. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for affirming my whole life because this is a consistent problem. You know, we've been talking about schedules and systems. The number one way that my schedules and systems get thrown off track is because I am an obliger. And if a kid or a spouse or a friend or a sister or whoever is like, can we do this instead? Or can we do this? Or I don't like this or whatever. I will choose to derail my whole thing to oblige because I'm an obliger what they want to do. So I feel like I need someone either who is an obliger who has overcome the struggle to come give me a mantra, to give me an inspiration, a quote, anything to help me get past this. Or some of you all who are not obligers, just be like, I don't know, just tell me like, listen, I'm a questioner and I'm never going to come rescue you from yourself. (laughs) So I don't know, just give me some insights so that I can stop letting myself and my own priorities get run over. I do think that having standing appointments is a huge part of this solution. But like, what about daily tasks? More often than not, I find that I do all of the dishes all the time. Kyle thinks this is ridiculous because we have, you know, two tween teenage girls who's like, I did dishes. I mowed the lawn. I did all of these things when the girls were this age and you're in here doing the dishes. And I'm just like, well, they had things to do. (laughs) So I thought I would do them again. Hoping that one day they'd be like, Mom, you need a break from doing the dishes. Oh, We're going to do them this time. <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's Never. really not going to happen. Super not going to happen. So if you have overcome the struggle of letting other people sidetrack you or get you out of your systems or your routines or whatever, please help me to rescue my, me from my own self and my own obliger tendencies. You want to... Learn how to like stick up for yourself. Is that like the right way to say yeah, it? Yeah, I want to, you know, an obliger just wants to appease it. Like we tend to make our decisions based on what's going to work for external sources in our life, voices, people that are in our lives. So like, what's a, something that I can do? Like I said, I feel like I need a mantra that I can repeat to myself to remind myself that it's okay for me to stick to my own plan. It's okay for me to stick to my own schedule. I don't have to accommodate every person all the time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I have heard that, that there are people who make decisions based off of how it will make others feel. And there Mm -hmm. are people who make decisions based off of how it will make themselves feel. And I definitely am more like, how is it going to make me feel? (laughs) Yes, I know. I know. You're also not an obliger. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Maybe just ask yourself that before you make a decision. Wait, how is this going to make me feel? Maybe that's what I need to do. Okay, so we've shared with you all some ways that we are winning and some places that we need a little extra love and support. So we cannot wait to hear how you guys are winning and how we can support you in some areas that you want to firm up your systems or you need a new hack for. So if you'd like to find us on social media, Rebecca, remind everybody where they can find you all around the web. Well, my blog is at simplyrebecca.com, and then you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at simplyrebecca. Okay, you can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. The show is over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod, and you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. You guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer, and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer, and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. 
To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to SortaAwesomeShow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.